And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 307 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, January 20th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy, you know what, who definitely knows today's wordle, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Do you, are, do you know are, this game? Are you addicted to it? I am not. I haven't even, I've never played it. I just, I see it, you know, the tetris you know pieces in my in my facebook feed all day long it's like i i you know i have not tried it yet it's a phenomenal story i saw that they had three million users like 10 days yeah. ago or something like that and now it's, it's, it's funny yeah. even my oldest is is into it and it's i have not done it yet but i've asked some people who are religious about it and they're like that's great because it's one thing it takes you five minutes and you're done it's not like you get addicted to it for the entire day and spend two hours on it so right it's basically one game per day that's it and congrats to the guy that created it because i think that the backstory is the guy created it for a friend yeah and it just went from there so yeah he and then he and then he got a couple of more friends on and then it went completely viral and like you said, got millions of users in this thing within like two weeks. Like it's crazy hockey stick growth. It's kind of reminds me. You remember of Flappy Bird? Remember the guy that did Flappy yeah, Bird? Yeah, of course. And he just yeah, and Farmville, Farmville, the same thing. Yeah. yeah, and then people just got hooked, and it just took off. It reminds me of yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. And now there was an article I was reading, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, that talked about how Apple has had to put their foot on the neck of all these sort of copycats, right, that have gone out there, and um, you know, and and tried to copy exactly. Oh, what like he's instead doing. of Wordle, it's, it's like Turtle or Birdle. Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Did you check out the new Turtle? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, we should get it over with. I know. Let's Both do it. Both of our teams, just, it's like, it's over. It's well, over. Football to a lot is of, over for both of us. You're right. But to a lot of our listeners, this is happy times because this is Great the point news, of the year I'm sure, yes. where we don't talk about the NFL because the Browns and the yeah. Cowboys are out of it and we have to make up other things to be interested in. Yeah, that's what I, you know, like marketing is. and content and yeah, stuff <laughs> NFTs like that. that's and not nearly as important as <laughs> as the National Football League. That's so. right. Well, it will be opening day soon, so we'll get to baseball, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll watch the I guess we'll watch the rest of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. There's some, you know, I I like the competitiveness uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I just have to mention it because I, I don't usually watch non-Browns games. I did watch your Cowboys game, and I watched that Arizona Cardinals defeat. I, have, I haven't seen a quarterback lose composure like that since Johnny Manziel. Yeah. He, uh, Kyler Murray he fell apart. 
like yeah, literally fell, fell apart. apart. You could see how nervous he was, and and of course, I feel bad about the whole thing because so so much talent, probably the fastest person in the NFL or one of the fastest people. But that little, I almost got sacked in the end zone and flipped it to the to the competition for a touchdown. That was embarrassing. Right. Yeah, like, and that was that well, was basically the he's end young. of the game with that. Yeah. So, but what are you gonna? Yeah, do? he's but, young. He'll he'll be fine. You know, it's just they. You know, they, you know, the Cardinals fans will tell you they, they, they did all the Cardinal like things, right? They had a great season and then completely fell apart. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, which is, you know, not, <laughs> not that terribly different than Cowboys, right? I mean, Cowboys will have great seasons and then just totally choke. You know, See, they're the, just, they're, yeah. The thing with Cleveland teams is, what they do is they they have amazing players and then those players leave and they become even more amazing and they <laughs> exactly. win championships. So so what'll happen is the the Odell LA Beckham Jr. Yeah. the LA, LA Rams will probably win the Super Bowl because of Odell Beckham. Be- right. I mean exactly. And it's like, "Oh my god, it's Who great. What he fell apart in Cleveland or Cleveland couldn't make right. it work and then he goes to LA and everything just works out great." And we saw that yeah. happen with Manny Ramirez and the Cleveland baseball team going to Boston and winning the World Series. Brian Giles and went to San Diego. And I can go all kinds of weird examples, but it's happened forever. And I'm so used to it. So, you know, then you just see Odell Beckham just throwing a beautiful 30 yard pass. You're like, what? What is this? It's yeah. bizarre world. <laughs> so. Yeah. You get used. You get used to it. All right. So moving moving off of hey, I got an idea. Sure. Let's not talk about football. Let's talk about this. You know, you've got a little bit of an announcement around your 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 CEX. Oh, event. thank you. Yes, I mean, you're you're so kind. I, and it's, well, anything to not talk about the NFL <laughs> for a minute. So Good everyone, Lord. yes, everyone listening to this probably knows that uh, our event CEX Creator Economy Expo is May 2nd to 4th, 2022, Arizona Grand Resort in Phoenix, speaking of the Cardinals. And today, so this is coming out on Friday morning, the 21st, so people listening to this right away. And the end of today is basically the end of Super Early Bird to get your $495 ticket. So if you want a $500 discount, you can get you got to get it today. So go to cex.events and sign up. We've got amazing speakers. We've got an amazing uh, calendar of uh, how do you can drive revenue, how you can build an audience, content operations. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Web3. We'll have about 50-plus sessions, great networking. We're going to keep it as safe as possible because of stupid COVID. And <laughs> we're going to do whatever we can there. But just wanted to let everyone know it's your last chance. If you want the $500 discount on tickets, go to CEX dot events and get your uh super early bird 495 ticket i really want everyone that listens to this to be there if you possibly can we're limiting attendance to 500 this year for obvious reasons so we're going to keep it small in sponsorship small in attendance group of wonderful people networking getting to know each other and just learning some of the best stuff out there from the best speakers so we'll see how it goes i i don't know if you saw my email that I sent out to uh, to everyone. I did a little personal note from Joe, and it was the whole, you know, they, I, they're sucking me back in again. I'm, I'm back in the <laughs> exactly. events business. Yeah. I was retired, but now I'm not retired, and I'm getting emails like, what? Why aren't you just 
doing nothing. Like, why are you yeah. doing this? <laughs> right. Why are you doing an event? Why are you punishing yourself? Why are you doing yeah. this? But no, I feel very passionate about this, as, as everyone listening to this knows. And uh, I would like all my friends and listeners there that are, you know, you're trying to build an audience, trying to drive revenue. That's all we're going to talk about. But specifically from the content entrepreneurship angle, uh, building your business angle, and lots of stuff to talk about. And of course, the crazy NFTs, social tokens, DAOs, we'll cover that as well. But still, primarily, it's about how you can become a content entrepreneur, you know, live the life you want to live uh, and, and do it the right way. So there you go. Live the life you want to live. Live. Uh, that's, that should be Is a that song. a song? Live, a, I, I'm sure it is. Live the life <laughs> you, you just made live. that up. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> you should start this old marketing by singing something. the song? Yeah. I mean, you do the... <laughs> I, like, I don't know how I would act if you didn't do your... And this is Robert Rose. I mean, you do the same thing every <laughs> and then, time. And then, but, what if you broke into song instead? I think well, that I, would I be, think that... I think that's the... I think, I, I think I'd have to do covers, right? You know, because that, that one, I mean, so that one would, that one would be the, uh, nowadays from Chicago, you know, you know, Chicago, the musical, right? Yes, sure. Isn't it good? Isn't it grand? Isn't it great? Isn't it swell? Isn't it fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually thought you were going to do Chicago, the band. Saturday. Oh, no. In no, the no. park. I wish it was the 4th of July. Okay. And I, we probably should stop <laughs> doing whatever this show along. is. All like, right, ladies and gentlemen, and these and thems and theys and those, and we're going to talk about all sorts of fun things today. Um, it's 2022 uh, is opening up with a bang. We're going to talk about some big news, of course, uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision, and we'll talk about a little bit about what that means for our Joe and my three M's, the media, the marketing, and the metaverse. Um, we'll talk a little bit about a new bill that's going into legislation that might outlaw a lot of forms of behavioral targeting. We'll also talk about how Google is going to kill YouTube originals and what does that mean for the future of original content plans with the Goog. Um, and Marriott apparently wants TikTokers. They want them to drive content for loyalty programs. So we'll talk about what that seems to mean. I'll also rave a little bit about the uh, new Edelman Trust Barometer. And Joe and I will get into, just as we've been talking about here, a little bit on rants and raves about the arguments on the pros and cons of Web 3.0 and the fights that are going on right now. So, uh, yeah, a do, fully packed, fully packed this old market. Do you fully think packed. that people have noticed that you've started to do this little agenda thing before we actually get into it? I don't know. I just knew. I started listening. Yeah, it is new. And I basically, over the holidays, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. And the ones that I really like tend to do this. And I was like, oh, that's we should do that too. So that people know what they're getting themselves into. Well, I'll tell you so what. It's none been of those very topics helpful. sound interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's been very you know, helpful can, for me to yeah. know what we're going to talk yeah. about. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. I didn't know we were going to go you there. usually come at this completely blank. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's do it. 
Yeah, I'm ready. let's dive into this. Yeah. Um, we are going to start with, of course, the biggest news story. And thank you so much to all of you in the audience who, through the hashtag, through email, through, you know, Carrier Pigeon, Everything, all of those yes. who sent us this story. But it was a little hard to miss. Um, this is probably the biggest acquisition deal that's happened in some time. I didn't do the research, but it's a big one. And this is Microsoft, the giant, is acquiring Activision, the giant. Um, and basically, depending on which headline you read, the one we'll uh, include in the show notes comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, says it's either about the metaverse or becoming the Netflix of gaming or all of those things. But the article opens up by saying Microsoft Corporation's acquisition of Activision Blizzard aims to shake up the game industry by expanding the software giant's library of blockbuster video games and bolstering its efforts to entice consumers to its cloud gaming service. The planned $75 billion deal, I think the actual acquisition cost was 67 point something, um, anyway, would be Microsoft's biggest ever and its most ambitious investment yet in its plan to turn its Game Pass subscription service into the Netflix of gaming. Once the acquisition closes, Microsoft said it would be the world's third largest game company by sales, with 30 game studios under its belt, including the developers of the popular franchises Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and of course, that classic, also a little bit like Wordle, Candy Crush. Uh, the article goes on to talk a little bit about the history and what's been going on with both companies and talk about the acquisition. What say you? Why, why do we even do we really care? I mean, as content creators, as content marketers, as marketers, as communicators, uh, d does this really affect us at all? I think it I think it does. <clears throat> Uh, and that's all I have to say. No, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, yes. I, I just want to put so so some moving things, on some yes. things in perspective here. First off, um, they are now the third largest video game producer, and I think it's they have thir thirty two studios, thirty two yeah. game studios. I mean, think about that, and think about all these amazing brands they now have, and. If you if you look at how long ago Xbox started with this thing and they lost money for all these years and then they purchased Minecraft Mojang which was Minecraft and I think that was yep. what in thirteen or something like that for two and a half billion that's right that yep. that was a huge deal for them because what they taught the industry was that you could actually purchase an amazing game with a community and not screw it up they have they did not screw Minecraft up which everyone thought they would. So that's why a lot of the people that love Activision and Blizzard and see all the problems that they have, they're actually like, oh, great, Microsoft. They don't screw things up. They make it better. There's a couple of things I think to take away if you're a content creator here. First is Microsoft has amazing patience. This has been a slow build over a long period of time, and they weathered so many years of losing money and people coming out and saying xbox is you know second fiddle to playstation whatever and they're never going to be that game studio so there's that but let's get on to where i think it's going to to be trouble for facebook because i think microsoft is doing it right where you've got you know you talked about the three m's and talked about metaverse facebook goes in and says oh they want to go all in on the metaverse whatever but the way into the metaverse is through communities, especially gaming communities. And Microsoft has them. So if you're saying who has the advantage to be the dominant player, if there's a centralized player, if you will, it's going to be Microsoft because they have the Diablo, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Minecraft, Candy Crush, 
Overwatch, on and on, right? They've got these amazing brands and these really amazing communities that they can start really building out and create digital goods and new worlds and all kinds of stuff that we can't even anticipate yet. So that's really what I, I think is interesting. Forget the Netflix of games. I don't think that that's where this is going. I think you're going to see these communities just build out and grow uh, online like we've never seen before because we have this new token technology out there. So that's kind of where, where I saw it going, and I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think it's a, it's a great sort of look, you know, through the looking glass, as it were, into why we do care about this. Because yep. what you can see here is Microsoft buying all in to the direct reach into audiences as a platform, right? You know, so, you know, it, Microsoft is often left off the list when you go, oh, let's think about the sort of new media companies, right? The Netflix, Amazon, Apple. Um, you know, those kinds of companies and Microsoft is often left off that list, but let's, let's make sure that we understand that Microsoft is maybe the leader actually of all of those. Companies. I think I, actually um, that's, I think that's the point. I think they have taken you know, the lead quietly as they've done. Like yeah. when you think even th when you, we've talked about the, the stock market on this show a lot, we say, oh, how big Amazon is and how big Apple right. is. Well, Microsoft, I think is three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. From a size standpoint. Yeah, and they have gobs of cash. And they just take a low profile oh, and they're doing their thing. So Yeah, it's that's exactly right. You know, they're they're just sort of quietly, you know, you know, with the acquisition of LinkedIn, that was the acquisition of an audience. With the acquisition of like you said, Minecraft, that was the acquisition of an audience. With the acquisition of GitHub, that was the acquisition of an audience. With the acquisition of now of, of Activision, this is the acquisition of both talent and audience to create content. Let's not forget, this is fascinating. I actually look when I was looking this up, saw this yesterday. So Game Pass, Microsoft Game Pass now on the Xbox has 25 million monthly subscribers, which puts it right on track with Apple TV. I mean, they have they have more subscribers than Apple TV has That's at this amazing. point. So, you know, and they're right on the heels of, you know, you know, of, of you know, I mean, they're, you know, they're they're far behind HBO Max at this point, but you know, not that far behind, you know, with when you start talking about the acquisition of, uh, of, you know, of, of, of these titles, this, and these studios. And I think you're exactly right from a metaverse standpoint, this puts them in the driver's seat, right? I mean, because kind of the only one left is, you know, I mean, you got to think that Epic is next, um, you know, with Fortnite and all of that, yep. and that could be Facebook's sort of play in this. Um, Epic has been slaying it of late. You know, with the with their with their um, you know with their work. So somebody else is going to go because Facebook has to. They have to acquire somebody, right? They're gonna you know they're they're gonna figure out that you know they've got to have the talent and the and the content to do this quickly. And if they're going to be a player in this space, they're going to have just to your point, they're going to have to go in through interactive entertainment. And a gaming, you know, a, a gaming company is really the only one that's going to yep. allow them to do that. So, if they expect to win in this at all, watch them because they're going to they're going to have to acquire somebody. So, this has, I think, everything to do with, you know, if you're looking at this from, you know, our point of view, which of course there's marketers down in the lowly plebeian state, you know, looking up at our overlords, Microsoft and Amazon and Apple and all of that and saying, hey, what do we do about this? Well, I think it's a, 
a yet another feather in our business case cap to say, we need to start thinking about our own ecosystem. Like when we're a brand, you know, I got asked the question the other day about brand and how important brand is, you know, for all of us. And my answer is, is that it's about brand extension, extending that brand into media platforms that, you know, consumers and audiences can trust so that you can start leveraging what the big boys are doing, which of course is looking at yourself as a platform with, you know, lots and lots of, I mean, we'll talk about trust a bit later in the show, you know, when we talk about Edelman, but it's about how we can start creating audiences of trust. And that, you know, that's done by extending your brand into community, into content, and all of those kinds of things. And here's Microsoft just living that dream. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a great acquisition for them, for sure, um, and meaningful, I think, for the entire industry. Yeah, I, I think to just wrap this up, 2022, you know, it, the, the month of January always tells you where the year is going to go. Right. And 2022 is going to be the year of acquisitions of content brands, whether those are gaming brands or whether those are media brands or independent content creator brands. So get ready. Anyone listening to this, it's oper- you talked about Facebook being out there shopping. I can guarantee I know 10 people, media people right now that are out shopping like crazy. This is this is yeah, the time to right. do it. Um, and again, I broken record, but because cash in the bank does nothing right now because of where inflation is at, this cash has to be used, whether you are a small business or a medium size or a large business or whatever. So you're going to see a lot of this put to work. I mean, I don't know how much cash Microsoft. So this was a 68.7 or whatever. I think it's funny. It's almost a $69 million deal or billion dollar yeah. deal that they go go through with this. But they, they had that much in cash. And I think they've got another $100 billion or more that's going to they're going to start using this if you look at i think the last i saw was apple had 230 billion dollars in cash sitting around this is facebook is 100 billion. i mean it's crazy the amount of money these companies have get ready for some amazing case studies here yeah. for us yeah. to talk yeah. about well i mean just to your point i mean and we we did this on the prediction show you know a couple of weeks ago but you know the Apple's got to have to buy somebody. They have too much cash. They they have to buy something. They you know they're they're they just you know that money's got to be burning a hole in their pocket right now. So it's uh it yeah it's it's gonna get it's gonna get nutty here in the spring for sure. I know Facebook too um, is like oh god I can't believe Microsoft did that now we got to go buy Epic. Or yeah. Whatever right yeah <laughs> well or somebody somebody yeah exactly right because Zynga so, just well, got speaking Zynga of Facebook, got purchased. What was it? Two weeks ago, that Zynga was purchased. So it's, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, by um, uh, I'm trying to remember their name, but yeah, that was a crazy company. That as was well, the right? largest I mean, video they, game deal at almost ten billion or whatever, and then this one just right. leapfrogged it. Said goodbye. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of Facebook and you know their troubles for sure, um, there is a new bill, a new legislative bill. So one of my predictions, by the way, <clears throat> was that privacy. And that trust and all that GDPR stuff would finally land here in America. And I think this is, I don't know, I could safely say it's true yet, but we'll see what happens with this. But there is a new bill. 
There is a new bill that would outlaw most forms of behavioral targeting. Uh, this coming to us uh, via media post in their digital news daily. Uh, and the article opens up by saying three Democratic lawmakers on Tuesday introduced a privacy bill that would restrict companies from using a broad range of data for ad targeting purposes. The Banning Surveillance Advertising Act, proposed by Representatives Anna Eshoo, who's from California, Jan Schakowsky from Illinois, and Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, would prohibit ad networks and facilitators from using personal information to target ads. The measure defines personal information broadly enough to cover synonymous uh, data that fuels behavioral targeting. The bill says personal information includes data that is reasonably linkable to an individual or device, including inferred data, browsing activity, and unique identifiers. The surveillance advertising business model is premised on the unseemly collection and hoarding of personal data to enable ad targeting, said issue. Uh, this pernicious practice allows <laughs> online <laughs> platforms to pernicious chase... Oh my God! It's so, it's so I'm politician like. I'm sorry. This pernicious practice. Pernicious is a is no. a wonderful word. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I you no. Know, it's 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 so it's such a politician sentence. You know, issued certainly through a press release. Uh, this pernicious practice uh, then online platforms to chase user engagement at great cost to our society, and it fuels disinformation, discrimination, voter suppression. Oh my God! Privacy Come abuses. Come on, just say you uh, don't like it. It's a floor wax. It's a dessert topping. It's all sorts of horrible things. Um, yes. So basically the article goes on to talk about what the measure would do. Um, the interesting thing to me uh, here is this one sentence, because I haven't obviously read the bill yet, uh, which I probably will because I'm geeky that way, but but I have not yet read yet it. Uh, yet read it, um, but the measure would still allow companies to target ads contextually, says this sentence, meaning based on the material displayed on the same page as the ad, but the bill would prohibit companies from using data associated with those ads for additional targeting. Now, I'm not sure what that means, um, uh, and I'm not sure, you know, uh, my confidence in lawmakers to get this right is pretty low um, in terms of what you know what would be allowed and what would not be allowed so uh, especially with the number of lobbyists and stuff that I'm sure are involved in this so I think this is worth watching but I don't think there's reason to cheer or boo just yet so uh, what do you think well no I, I like you I don't exactly know what this means I mean first blush I would say um there is an opportunity for first party data, you know, be, you know, build your own audience, all the stuff that we normally talk about. I think there's also an opportunity there for maybe if you're not doing programmable as much and you can't pull up all this data that you normally could. I wonder if, if niche media sites see a little of a, a bump up because you're like, oh, I want to target these people and I want to know exactly who my audience is, but I can't pull in all this data. So how do I do that at scale? Maybe it's more difficult to do it at scale and you have to form partnerships with media companies that already have that audience and you know exactly who they are. So I, I guess that's what I was thinking is maybe this is really good for smaller media sites and content creators, but I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly this is going to mean because I read this a couple of times, Robert, and I, I was like, uh, the pernicious practice that picked up peck of pickled peppers i mean i don't even know what the heck <laughs> what what 
what are we talking about yeah. here? So well, there the is trend, one the trend is, is more more legislation is coming, right? It's more lockdown, yeah, data yes. privacy. This is here to stay, and we as creators and marketers need to prepare that this is going to be a thing. Yes, and so one thing that is positive here, or at least leans positive here, is is that at the end of the article, it's almost a throwaway here, um, but it's probably the most important part of this whole thing is a separate provision of this law, this is what the article says, would allow advertisers to upload customer lists to marketing platforms like Facebook as long as those lists were based on the advertiser's first-party data and not compiled based on race, religion, or other protected statuses. To me, this is yet again a big like flag getting waved from the those who are caring about heavens. privacy to say, yeah, that first party data is cool. We need to lean into that and we need to, you know, get good at it because this is going to be our opportunity to circumvent the ecosystems of all those big companies that we just talked about, right? So Facebook and Apple and Netflix and Google and Microsoft and all of those companies to say, we too can have our own ecosystem of content and targeted you know, personalization and all those things that are good and right in the world when it comes to marketing and customer experience, but we have to do it. We, it is our responsibility to do it. We cannot lean on the sort of surveillance-based tactics based, you know, from the from the big five or six anymore. So, good times ahead for content marketing, basically. Yeah, and and I whole, I like the whole first-party data thing, which we've talked about, but I don't like the fact that you know how easy it is. It, it, they make it like uploading to Facebook and Google, and we just upload our data to them and give it to them. It, it's just that it was kind of cringy, and I know it well, happens think, all the time. I know it happens all that. Yeah, yeah, I know. We leverage Facebook and LinkedIn, Look. and we we give them our data and say, please take all this and use it and become stronger and become more centralized. And I, it just is bothersome. It's a great point, but but the question is: is will this law, will this legislation? prevent them from using it, right? So if I read that correctly, which is doesn't say this, the article doesn't say this, nor do I think this is where my confidence in the wording of the legislation will need to be proven out, which is right now what you're saying is exactly true. But if they make it illegal for Facebook to use it, but they make it legal for us to use it, then it's an interesting thing because when we upload our first party data to Facebook to do the ad targeting, they can still do the, the targeting that they value, but they can't then use that data for other purposes. So that would be a really interesting change because that would mean the data that we are keeping, that first party data, and hopefully we're doing it all up and up and we're doing it on, you know, trust based and, you know, I mean, don't get me on a rant on the zero party thing that was just stupid, but, but the, the, the basically the data that is being willingly and trustingly given to us through content marketing programs and we're using that to target our reach across these platforms, but it remains our proprietary first party data and does not get into the hands of Google or Facebook. Well, now all of a sudden we have some leverage. Yep. Whether we're getting discounts, whether we're getting, you know, I mean, Galloway had a great comment on this. He basically said on one of his podcasts, which I thought was great, he said, look, if you were to literally break up, you know, the power that Google and Facebook have on the ad market, it would be one of the largest tax cuts in business history 
because so many of us are trapped into basically whatever the pricing is on Facebook and Google and Instagram and all the places that we place ads. It's like a tax. It's it's basically a tax that you have to pay. That you know, if you're in marketing, you have to be on those platforms, whether you like it or not. You just you know, you can't not do Google advertising. You can't not you know comply with you know getting so getting your message out on you unless know, you any have of these social unless media you have platforms. your own audience. You can't. True. Absolutely true. But you're still doing some level of that, right? So you're doing, you know, I, I, it's a it, very, very, very few companies that I know of and that I work with, you know, even those that are, you know, amazing at content marketing and creating their own audience are still doing some level of, you know, they may they may do very little of it, but they're doing some Google well, advertising. I, they're doing some, you know. I like it. I like it for using, yeah, for for you for promoting the content. I love that. Right. For promoting right. subs, uh, ebooks, webinars, those types of things, I think absolutely makes makes a lot of sense. Um, Which, by the way, is a much more effective way of targeting. Right. It's you know there's 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 research starting to show this that that targeting by topic and intent of content consumption rather than by demographic or by you know psychographic is a much better way to target your customers and your buyers you know than than uh, than not it's 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 a it's it's a really interesting thing content is a much better signal of intent than you know and content consumption is a much better signal than intent than whether i'm you know a male of 55 years old and live in southern california and yada 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 yep. all that personal identification yeah before we go to the next news, just a little personal situation about first-party data. I set up a calendar meeting with somebody, and they were using a calendar tool. And you know, oh, I, I saw this. You I, I this? thought you posted this. And man. and I yeah. and I got added to their email newsletter list automatically. It's happened to me. No so permission. Often. No yep, checkbox. Yep. Yep. And by the way, that is not first-party data, folks. That's like taking somebody's business card <laughs> that you found on the floor somewhere, and adding it to your list. Um, yeah. So it just was very frustrating to me to see that. And it tells me something immediately about the company that does that. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, it happens to me all the time where I'm a guest on a podcast or I'm a guest, you know, I do a guest post or something, you know, they ask for my, you know, a roundup post or whatever, you know, and they ask for my email and my little one paragraph thing of what I want to say, opinion on something. And then all of a sudden I'm getting, Spam emails from that. I know like, one one on, this was, this happened about six months ago. There was one person that just I got into just an email conversation with, and I was added to the list. And then somebody else asked me about that person, and I said, "I don't know the person personally, but this is what happened to me. So that's all I know about that person. That's all I need to yeah. know. The person doesn't care about any." <laughs> It got that person it, about that doesn't care about me, doesn't care about my needs, doesn't care about following spam regulations, nothing. Just I'm just going to yeah. add you because I want to build my list, and I don't care what you think. So it's it's yeah. Anyways, it's, it's definitely not a good. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as you know. The you know, it, and it's happening on LinkedIn a lot too, right? You know, the the whole. Uh, just you know, don't get me started on the whole. Well, spam neither thing. I get it's these so you, much of it. Right, you now. get these questions all the time because I was like, oh, I want to add my entire customer list to my email newsletter. And I'm like, no, you really can't do that. 
Like you have a customer relationship, you can communicate with those customers absolutely on any customer issues, whatever. But if you create a permission-based email newsletter, you can't just dump a database in there. That's right. And but you people know. don't know. But I, a lot of people still don't know that. <laughs> Obviously, or right. they don't care. Well, here's the here's the funny thing: is I'm living this right now, right? So, at Content Advisory, I have a probably I don't know. 2,000, 2,000 people subscribed to the content advisory email newsletter. And I turned it off. I, tur- I stopped sending it. And I let everybody know. I sent a note saying that you know I was, I was turning it off for a while because I just didn't think it was that valuable. I didn't think it was that valuable, right? And so I was like, I, you know, <laughs> unless you tell me otherwise, I- I'm going to retool it and reboot it and send it to you when I think it's good. And, and, <laughs> and nobody complained, so I think everybody agreed. So <laughs> I'm still still working that out, right? Well, it would be easy for me to go, hey, I'll just launch a new newsletter about a completely different topic, and you know, and add all these two thousand people to it and start sending it to them because they did opt in and they opted into you know my stuff. So my you know, but no, they opted into a very specific topic. They opted into a very specific thing. And so I, if I'm going to use that in the future, I've got to, I've got to, that's my responsibility, right? To figure that out yeah. is to figure out how to, how it's good and relaunch it and then say basically, Hey, I'm back. Please unsubscribe if this isn't for you anymore, or if you're just tired of waiting for anything and et cetera, et cetera. But that's the, that's the real thing there. Right. So, you know, I mean, we off, we, we talk about this all the time where we say, you know, basically if you turned off your content, who would miss it? Right. And, and you know, if you're not getting any, if you turn it off and nobody emails you and says, I miss it, then you know, you're on the wrong track. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a good litmus test to use. So, yep. There you go. Okay. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Well, speaking of original content here, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Google alphabet, YouTube, whatever you want to call them these days. Uh, this article coming to us courtesy of Ars Technica, um, a site that I haven't really spent a lot of time on of late and kind of forgot about. I forgot so about it too. Nice it's to all, but it's always been a pretty good site. Yeah. It's a really good site. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the headline here is Google kills YouTube or originals. It's original video content group. So Please, nobody spend any time on the headline there because using originals twice anyway. I get off on a rant. Um, Google kills YouTube originals. It's original video content group. <laughs> Basically, Google kills content. It's content. That's the headline. Anyway, so the article opens up by saying <laughs> Variety reports that Google's original video content group, YouTube Originals, is dead. The YouTube division was founded six years ago, and we've talked about it many times on this show, to make exclusive original content for the pay-per-month YouTube premium service. Now the group is being shuttered, and YouTube's global head of original content, Suzanne Daniels, is leaving the company in March. Just after the news broke, YouTube chief business officer Robert Kinky? Kinsey? Kinchy? K-Y-N-C-I? Kinchy? I'm going to guess. Uh, posted, <laughs> posted a statement on Twitter saying, Dear Creators, in 2016, we created YouTube Originals, a division within YouTube dedicated to great programming with our creators and headed by industry veteran Suzanne Daniels. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Today, there are more than 2 million creators in the YouTube Partner Program and creator community has never been more successful. We've paid more than $30 billion to creators, artists, and media companies over the last three years. However... 
With rapid growth comes new opportunities, and now our investments can make a greater impact on even more creators when applied toward other initiatives like our Creator Shorts Fund, Black Voices Fund, and Live Shopping Programming, to name a few. Uh, separately, Suzanne has decided to leave YouTube on her last day will be March 1st. Because there's Sorry, no, just so, because it's the, no division. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, yeah, that, you know. Uh, I, I'll bet you Suzanne didn't love that sentence. <laughs> I'll bet you Suzanne is going, yeah, really? You had to, you just had to throw me under the bus there anyway. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so they're there. What do you think about this? I, I, I definitely have a take on this, but want to get yours. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not on the inside of this. I know a lot of YouTubers are, but it, it appears that they're focusing on creator partnerships because they focus on giving away that $30 billion in, in share instead of completely underwriting, which I guess would make sense. But my, my takeaway from this is the second last paragraph of the story where it says, we've seen this story about a million times from Google. After a new initiative does not achieve immediate incredible success, the company starts scaling back its plans after about two years. They did the same thing with Google Plus, if you remember. It just it wasn't yep. the hottest thing ever, so they pulled back. I would go back to the beginning of our conversation and talk about Microsoft. You, th These are long-term initiatives. I don't know if they spent enough time, because it seems like every year they oh, they show it's, it's YouTube Originals, it's YouTube Red, it's YouTube Premium. It's what is what? What is it? What is it going to be? I don't think they know exactly what they wanted this to be. And they just said, okay, well, we're having enough success with our just creator stuff. So we'll just go back to that and forget this. Don't you think, think it's more like a short-term focus from Google? Just I think, impatience? I, I think it's a talent problem. Um, and I think it's, a, it, it's an over, you know, so Google has a history in addition to the time thing which i agree with that you just said google also has a history of making assumptions that they are the smartest person in the room and what they didn't realize here was how difficult it is to actually make the transition into original content production right so what you see i mean this gets right to our microsoft um you know talk which is can't, where do you get the talent, right? Where do you get the talent to actually create great content? And what most of the successful ones have discovered is that going out and acquiring a movie or a production studio, going out and acquiring a gaming studio, going out and getting this talent is the key number one factor here because making great content consistently is hard. Yep. And so when they launched this and they said, oh, we can just mine our own you know, stuff and get PewDiePie and get, you know, uh, you know, all these kind of YouTube stars and create original shows around that. And the audience went, meh, I don't care. Right. You know, we've talked about many times how the on this show about how YouTube or other platform, you know, content stars. And this is a great lesson for content creators. They don't necessarily translate to other platforms. Right. Casey Neistat is amazing online and did not translate to CNN. He just didn't translate to that medium. 
you know, all many of these people that they sort of brought in here to create, you know, their original content programming just never, yep. never got off the ground because they just didn't resonate either in long form or whatever they were trying to do as a, so they didn't put the talent into the programming. Therefore, they never built the audience. Therefore, it never succeeded. And you know whether they gave it enough time or not is a different, different story. But it's also worked for hire too. It's a different. It, Pewdie, let's take PewDiePie for example. PewDiePie when when he does his YouTube videos, he's building his audience. He's building his brand. He's writing his books. It's all for him. It's his business. When YouTube Red Originals, whatever it is, hires PewDiePie to then create us, it, it's YouTube's. It's it's content marketing services, then, and I think your heart has to be in that kind of work. It's very difficult, and I can speak firsthand about this: a content creator that creates something for their own community and themselves versus for a sponsor. It's very difficult to make that transition. Sometimes you don't get the great work because of it. That's right. I mean, look at their you know their success. They had one huge success, which of course was the Cobra Kai series, um, which is. Have you watched season four yet? I haven't of, watched of Cobra Kai? one. I haven't watched five minutes of it. Anything? Oh, it's well. If you're a Karate Kid, I am fan, a Karate just, Kid fan, it's, it, but it's a fabulous. Series. I don't like episodic series, series except for Ted Lasso. It's got to be a, okay. an hour and forty five minute movie, and then I'll watch it. Sorry, it was good. <laughs> it was it was it, it's it's really fun. It's it's really fun. But they you know they and then they you know they they put that up for a while. Couldn't find an audience with it. Couldn't really get it done. Couldn't market it well, I guess. And then ultimately, Netflix took it over and made it a huge hit. So that's the key. Is the, is that for me? It's the talent. So to me, what this tells me is, you know, so they're trying. You know, they're trying to do what Google does, which is, of course, copy others, right? So, you know, you've got YouTube Shorts, which is TikTok, you know, and then the gaming, which is Twitch, and then you've got Stories, which is meant to be Snapchat, and et cetera, et cetera. So. To me, they buy something. They go. They they they. In order to compete in this long form original content, you know, to supplement their service so that you pay the subscription dollars, you've got to get. You, they've got to go buy something. So You're I think they go buy, buy something studio. at some point. Yeah, at at some point. Yeah, I think they do. I think they'll. I think they'll. They'll buy something. I think they'll try again. And they'll go acquire something. Um, you know, just to our earlier point about this being the year of acquisitions. I think. You know they're gonna they're gonna buy something to you know and not not something big. I think they'll buy something small so that they can actually supplement what they're doing and justify the subscription price to people, and look to see if you know and basically make the you know ostensibly make the same mistake again, but hopefully this time with talent that they can actually you know start. Basically, it's wiping the whiteboard clean. Yeah, I you're probably right. I would just say. It's very difficult. I mean, first of all, this business is really, really tough in the first place. But it's very difficult when your mission, oh, yeah. your mission right, continues exactly. to change every six, nine months. Oh, we're going to be YouTube Plus, and then oh no, we're going to be a, a the a younger, hipper Netflix. Oh, we're going. You know, what? What are we? What are we? What? What? What is, is this thing? Right. That's well. That's a critical piece. So yeah, that's where exactly that's where I saw this at. Not a, it's like it's exactly what happened, and and I I guess I'm just having flashbacks to Google Plus. Google Plus never knew what it wanted to be, and then it just they gave up on it and they said we're done, and a lot yeah. of corporations were really upset because they had million plus followers on those things and done. Okay. Yeah. Rented land. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Okay. Well, yeah, 
brand and brand extension has not been Google's forte. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. They have not. They have not really figured out purpose of brand. Um, in all of those things. So, well, if it, just yeah. to wrap this up, I listened to a podcast. I can't remember which podcast it was. I wish I wish I could. But they talked about Google's products and all the Google products we lo- we use. And the person said, "There's not a Google a pr- uh, product that I use that's less than ten years old. Everything I use is from ten plus years. Google Mail. Well, that's interesting. Google Sheets. Yeah, that's a really Google good Calendar. Point. YouTube." Everything is long, long time ago. They're almost like 15 years plus old now. So it's just interesting that they and they were talking about the innovation of Google, that there's really no innovation coming out of Google because there's no new products that anyone uses outside of the old stuff. And they still get the majority of Alphabet is still advertising on Google and uh, advertising on Google and YouTube. It is a great point. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. It, It is a great point. And the other thing is, if you think about it, you use... Nobody loves Google, right? You know, you can point to the people who love Apple products and are passionate about Apple as a brand and passionate. You can even point to some people who are passionate about Instagram. They're passionate about TikTok. They're passionate about Facebook, even some people. But nobody's really passionate about Google. Google's like a, you know, it's like plumbing, right? You just you just sort of use it. And they've never been able to crack that idea of, you know, true emotional connection to their brands. Um, and I think that's a that's that's one of their biggest challenges when it comes to content like this is that it's all about the emotional connection. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, now it is time for our rants and raves section of the show. Um, empirically proven, apparently, through scientific research. You have our, to stop saying uh, that. This it's old not, marketing. There's no labs. There's no empirically in, proven anything. You ask like three people. Yeah, there is. You ask like three people. That's empirically proven in terms of the size of our audience. That is statistical relevance, I am telling you, with the size of our audience. There you go. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, all three of them said it's their favorite There you part go. Of okay. The show. Well, point, now you're so, okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, oh, well, I was going to bring an NFL reference back to this, but maybe I'll just bring back, makes us feel like we're playing Wordle. We're not playing Wordle. Um, anyway. Uh, NFL. Yeah. Big sigh. I know. Big sigh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're going to go first because we're going to talk a little bit about NFTs and stuff like that. And then I've got a very quick rave. So you go You go first tonight. I, I, would, I would be happy to go first. And uh, my printer is just, it's talking to me right now. Okay. It stopped talking. Good. Uh, it's yeah. weird how it does that. Sometimes it just feels like saying things. First of all, before I get started, we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about Web3. I want to give a big shout out to our friend, uh, Michael Stelzner who launched the crypto oh, business right. podcast. Yeah, of course. Congrats, Mike. Yeah, this one yep. is, I, I just did the interview with him yesterday. I don't know, my my show, we were, I was talking about NFTs and the NFT business model. Um, that'll be out in February or something sometime. But his first episode came out. It was great. And we just want to give a shout out. Uh, we, we, we think he's going to be very successful with that. So if you want yeah. to, to listen to crypto and maybe not uh, for crypto geeks, if you will, that you you don't get everything about Web3, it's a great podcast. You can understand the business models behind what's going on. I just on. listened to the first 20 minute um, like prelude, I guess it is, the introduction yep. to the whole thing. Uh, and it's just great. It's a good overview. I mean, absolutely. Know, and just, I think it's every it's a good Friday. Overview. Yeah, every Friday it'll come out. Yep. And. And he tells a he tells his story 
about how he got into this whole mess, <laughs> you know, which mirrors in many ways our, you know, you and my, me, how we got into this whole stuff you, you as well. Get, so you start going down a, the rabbit hole. Fun. That's right. So everyone, you can yeah, exactly. you can listen to this old marketing first on Fridays, yeah, of course, and then of course you can download. Mr. Stelzner's Crypto wonderful business, new yeah. podcast. Okay, yeah. so a couple things I wanted to talk about. First, a quick, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but this is uh, on a publication called Online Offline by Holin Holland. I don't, H-O-L-Y-N, I don't know. It's something that I found on the Cryptoverse, Twitter sphere, whatever the case is. There's a really good chart in here on, it's called WebEx Social, the Symbiotic Landscape. And I really like this because it has Web 1 in a circle overlaying a bigger web two circle and a web three circle. And what it shows is, is that every, you know, you have MySpace and Flickr and Tumblr and Snapchat and everything into web two, you know, web one, you know, you had classmates.com and you have live journal and just, you know, a lot of just information. And now we're into web 2.5, which is, you know, TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and web three is a TBD. And you kind of see the evolution that we're not into Web3 yet. We're sort of in getting there. And it's just visually, it's helpful. So I wanted to put that in the show notes uh, so everyone kind of saw how that's moving. But my main, this is not a rant or rave. It's just a commentary. And it's something interesting to follow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, everyone listening to this knows we're big fans of Professor Scott Galloway and the Prof G podcast. So on January 14th, uh, Scott's newsletter called No Mercy, No Malice, which I've been subscribed to for a long time, came out and really did a rant against Web3. Uh, I'll put it in the show right. notes, but you can go and, and go through it and basically was saying Web3 is not all that. It's owned by, you know, most of the accounts are owned by 9% of people out there. 95% of Bitcoin is owned by 2% of the accounts. It talks about how it's not really decentralized and all that's bad. And then you have the counterpoint to that. And I thought was really interesting because what Scott did, Scott Galloway did in his overview, he called out some Web3 people and that here's Packy McCormick, who's pretty influential in the Web3 space, has a really good email newsletter as well called Not Boring, goes the Web3 debate. Now, Packy McCormick, he goes through, he is a professional debate master. He has been a debate person for, and he goes through why, you know, how you make an argument and where, you know, where you go, where you don't go. And he basically tears Scott apart because he says it's not the argument is not Web3 is perfect or Web3 has to be completely de decentralized. He said the argument is, is Web3 good? Is Web3 better? Does Web3 give us a choice? And the answer to that is yes. It's absolutely better. Is it perfect? No. Are there scams out there? Absolutely not. But you're arguing the wrong thing. And he goes through the whole thing step by step about a little bit better is good. And here's why a little bit better. Because we're giving creators and we're giving audience a choice that, you know, more centralized is not a, a good thing. More decentralized is usually better. And that's what he talks about. So I'm going to put both of these in the show notes. I don't know, Robert, if you read these. But it's really interesting to get the back and forth. You really see the two camps. And that's where I met because I was actually on on, uh, on uh, Mike's Stelzner's podcast yesterday. We were talking about it. And I'm like, Web3 is not perfect. NFTs, tokens may not be for you. But what it gives is it gives an option to creators and it gives an opportunity 
for an audience to have ownership and co-create something that was never there before. And that's what the token does. And so it's not going to be perfect, nor should it be perfect, nor should we have a society that's completely decentralized. We want centralized things, but a choice is better. This Web3 choice is a good thing. So that's my take. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so yes, I have read them. I've read them, in fact, several times, each of them several times, including also the one that, that, that you know, there's a few that are other, other articles that are referenced, including the one by the CEO of Signal, um, which I thought was also a good, yep. um, an interesting discussion on the, the fallacies and or challenges, probably a better word, um, of, of Web3. And I think overall, the argument that I buy the most um, is when, uh, uh, and I'm forgetting his name. You just Patrick said McCormick. it. I just forgot his name. Yeah. yeah. When he said, basically, it would be much better to have a discussion than a debate about this. Yes. Right? And so it, we're not at the stage at this point with Web3 to have anybody make any judgment on whether or not it's going to be good or bad. We, you know, we, we don't know. You know, and this is, you know, this is classic McLuhan, you know, Marshall McLuhan, you know, this territory here, which is you, you, you know, as, as he said, looking through our old stereos, which he meant our old eyes on any new medium as it comes into play, you know, the, the quote that is often used is you can't, you know, you basically look at it through your old eyes. So you apply old paradigms to the new medium and thus you have difficulty seeing what the potential is. And that, you know, so the immediate sort of gut reaction to that is to say, oh, yeah, I'll just put us, I'll, I'll look fresh eyes, like I'll freshen up my eyes and I'll be able to look at it with a clear, uh, you know, perspective to say I can make a judgment on this thing about prospecting the future. And what McLuhan was actually saying is, no, 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 it's not that you need to put away your old perceptions. It's in, you can't put away your old perception. You can't know. No one can know right now. That's the whole point of paying attention to this is because neither side of this quote unquote debate can know, you know, in other words, nobody knows at this point whether it's ultimately going to flame out and become just like the Internet in in 1996, 1995, when people were saying, hey, this thing is going to, you know, flame out and be catastrophic. And, you know, others were saying, oh, it's going to be awful for the culture and it's going to be horrible. All of those things were true, and none of those things were true, yep. right? And 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 you you just simply can't know. So the line that I loved is where he said the productive way to do this is through a discussion, not through a debate, not sort of just figuring out who's wrong and who's right. Is basically to say yes, let's talk about the centralization of decentralization, right? You know, let's talk about that basically OpenSea is ostensibly just a web hosting platform right now. It's because it really is. It's all OpenSea is. You're just hosting your little mini website that you call NFTs right now. If OpenSea goes away, all that stuff in your wallet goes away. No, no, no. OpenSea is just an aggregator. None of that that goes away. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because they they actually the 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 CEO of Signal actually talked about that, right? He actually talked about that where he built some NFTs on OpenSea's platform. Oh, if you build it on OpenSea's platform, that's right. But like, yeah, if, if you, you if you launch an NFT, if you have an if NFT you project, an, if you launch an NFT minted, project, if, I'm sorry, we're talking over each other. If you have yeah. an NFT project, like our project with uh, CEX Neverending Tickets, and OpenSea goes away, it doesn't matter. 
you you still have right. the NFT, but it wasn't minted on it wasn't minted on exactly. On, on I'm OpenSea. with you now. If you mint it on right. that, yes, okay, got it. If you mint it, if you mint your NFT on OpenSea, it's ostensibly a web hosting platform, right? And there are many of these that are out there that are basically leveraging the idea of decentralization across you know things like wallets and all those kinds of things that are actually just centralized. Web. But that, of course, it is right. Just just like in the early days, we were wrapped around the axle of looking at our web servers and scraping for hits. You know, I, I can remember back in the day showing up at 6 a.m. to my job when I was in an internet consulting firm in the early 90s. And basically, my job was to go ping the server that to pull down the web hits so that I could run a report on how many hits the website for my client got. Of, of course, that's a stupid and ridiculous way to architect something. And it got better. And so the point is, is that after all of this, I love the, 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 the idea of the discussion on both sides. And I think the better way to frame this is as a discussion, not a debate. Well, it's almost like saying, uh, are, we better off, are we better off or worse off with the internet and having this discussion in 1997 or 1998? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's we don't right. even know. That's what I was yeah. talking to Mike yesterday. We don't even know what this thing is yet. Right. So let's, let's right. figure it if out If it's together. anything good at all. I mean, there may be something new, and almost assuredly there will be something new that comes out of this that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about right now. Right? The, you know, the, the, the technology and the capabilities that are getting developed right now, the exciting part of it is we just don't know. And the dangerous and sort of feeling of overwhelm right now is we don't know anything about it. And so instead of saying, hey, I, my, you know, my side is right because Gary V is doing something stupid like, you know, launching, you know, NFTs as membership tickets to a restaurant, which is just a, you know, it's a silly thing to make an NFT, but he'll make a lot of money doing it. Right. And, and it's and it's I think does the technology a disservice to do something like that. Wow, you are really some I, of the. More I did not know this. I didn't know you felt this way. Oh yeah, for sure. It's there's the the sort of the taking advantage of the technology to to you know because there's so much out there which is basically I mean you've you, every day it seems like you read an article about someone who has said what they're doing is there. We talked about it last week with the the, the stupid fart lady, right? Yeah who is leveraging an NFT to basically sell something silly. That gives f credence and fodder to the whole idea that the technology is silly and stupid. And you've got to counterweight that. You've got to counterbalance that, which is, quite frankly, less interesting because it's less sexy and makes less headlines with the deep technology. You know, the things that interest me are things like, you know, what you know, some of the bigger companies are doing with private blockchain, with what, you know, how they're developing um, decentralized systems for managing loyalty. There, you know, there's some really interesting things going on with smart contracts and the way that blockchain and decentralization and the way that um, coins and tokens are being used that just don't get the headlines because they're not Gary Vee and they're not fart lady jokes, right? So that's the, that's the counterweight of what we're looking at in this argument, which is, is it just a bunch of Silicon Valley, you know, chuckleheads throwing money at something and making a bunch of money, like Galloway said, or is it 
truly serious, deep scientific technology that's going on. No, it's all of those things. And we have to have a discussion about that rather than sort of just arguing our sides. You're exactly right. But to get to Amazon.com, we have to go through theglobe.com. Exactly. That's exactly. So we're right. all to testing. get to Amazon.com. Yeah. We have to go through Pets.com. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all we're all going that, through this. Yeah, I, I love the the one that said, uh, you know, what was the the quote about? I, I'm gonna I can't find it right now. But he said, you can't you can't say the internet is bad because there's face Facebook and 4chan. You know, <laughs> it's right. like oh, and thus the internet is bad. It's like yes, are there bad actors? Are there bad examples? Are some of these short sighted? Absolutely. But there's going to be one percent gold in here, and we've got to learn. There's from a, that. an amazing, there's an amazing interview with David Bowie of all people, in, from 1996, I think it is, and he's getting interviewed on a BBC program. If you YouTube it, you'll okay. find it, I'm sure. Um, and uh, uh, did I just use YouTube as a verb? Oh, that's stupid. Um, you can use anyway, it. it's a verb. You, it's just like Google. You go search for it on on YouTube, and you'll find it. But basically, he says he's talking about the internet. And he, the, the reporter is incredulous with him saying, basically, you really think this internet thing is going to be big? Isn't it just, you know, another TV? Isn't it just another radio? And he, and you can see Bowie just like go, what are you nuts? He's like, and he goes on this sort of two minute monologue about how the internet is going to fundamentally shift. And he said in both good and bad ways, the entire culture, the entire way that we interact with content and media. And, you know, you can just see the sort of prescience in what he was saying, which of course, you know, 25 years later is, 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 has proven out to be true. But, but, you know, that's, but what you can see also is the fact that he's an explorer, not a judge, right? He's, you know, he's, he was looking at both the good and the bad that these changes would have, and and saying basically we just don't know yet we don't know yet and that's the real answer is we don't know yet well that's the only thing that i would say with and i know there's some examples out there like gary v's that you might not like but i think those things are necessary to happen and we can learn from them either way going forward i hope so that's my hope that's my hope i also think those are the things because i lived through in fact, back in the day, back in, you know, 97, 98, 99, I built those sites, right? I built those ridiculous dot coms, dot bombs. You know, that my job was to yeah. build the stamps.com and, and pets.com and, you know, uh, stupidity.com. You know, everybody who had a dot com idea that was just ultimately a cash grab and ultimately provided no real utility, but was just, you know, leveraging the hype around what dot com and internet and and e-commerce was all about was you know and the thing is in those days everybody knew it right it wasn't like we all went ooh this is going to you know revolutionize the world all those people who were launching those dot coms back in the day they knew they they knew that it was basically something that would flash and basically the the goal was get it up get it flipped as fast as possible it was flipping houses yeah so it's and that's the part that bugs me. That's the part that bugs. So me. basically, you're saying that that this is your fault that we're here. This <laughs> that's what I heard. Okay, it's okay. That's exactly it's right. Okay. That's no. It's, that's exactly right. That's we exactly I think right. we it's collectively that, as a community like, accept your apology. Oh my we'll god! We need, you know we need we need that in joining we need that GIF from dead. <laughs> uh, we need that 
that uh, from Robin Williams and Matt Damon. It's not yeah. your fault. It's not your fault. Uh, it's not your yeah, fault. Exactly. Do you uh, do you have uh, do you have something I to do say have before a very we close the show out? Very, yeah, very yeah. quick. Basically, uh, this week, uh, Tuesday, in fact, um, uh, Edelman launched their 2022 Trust Barometer. Um, and uh, so we'll link to it in the show notes. Every year I rave about this, it feels, because I just, the work that they do here is just absolutely stellar. I just, it, it's one of those things where I wish I had thought of it 10 years ago um, to do it because it's just absolutely brilliant research work every year that they do it. It's, it's always enlightening. The biggest takeaway for me is the headline. Um, you know, no surprise trust is as low as it's ever been and all sorts of things that, um, that you would, you might expect here. But the thing is, is that what they've discovered this year was that really the world, the, you know, people are looking at business to be the, the, the true guiding light here. And I've talked about this before. I talked about it last year, how I thought, you know, Right now, content, purpose-driven content and content that creates trust with audiences, there's never been a bigger opportunity. There's also, I I can argue, a never been a, a, a higher responsibility yes. for businesses to do this. Um, and so, but the, the, the interesting thing to me was, uh, and of course we'll link to it in the show notes, was that the headline for Edelman's Trust Barometer this year was business uh, sort of trust uh, is a societal as a societal goal is a function in business now and they talk about that about how getting that right is should be a strategic function in business and ultimately what we're talking about there is content so i was excited to see it you know and i think it's an amazing report and i just wanted to rave about it and link very to good it. awesome we'll make sure we yeah put that in our trusty show notes on this old marketing.site. Wow, look at that. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. got that in there the, so people know we actually have a website that people oh, yeah, can go to. We have a website. That, well, what do you got this week? The, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing this week that other than, other than promoting oh, your show yeah, and you know, promoting yeah, event and getting back into the business? I, of, I, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm actually selling sponsorships for, for CEX. So I've been talking to vendors all week about sponsoring the event. And it's going to be great, and we're going to have 500, and it'll be a sellout, you know, and all the. I'm just trying to be nice about it because I think, um, you know, being, you know, selling a, a an event, especially in COVID times, is not the easiest thing to do. And as I'm doing this, I I think about all the other salespeople that are doing the same thing, and I just want to give them a hug. Is really all I want to do. But no, it's it's fine. So yeah, I'm focusing on this event stuff and oh but yeah i don't know if you saw yesterday we're we're going to to do a new edition of epic content marketing and that comes out in 2023 i saw that yeah i saw that nuts so brian yeah my friend brian piper who you know from content marketing who just made the biggest mistake of his entire life he has just made a terrible (laughs) mistake he he uh, convinced me that to do another version of the 2012 book epic content marketing and He's going to co-write it with me, and we're going to update it. And And McGraw-Hill was silly enough to say yes to do it. So 
There are all, yeah. a lot of lot of lot of uninformed people. Congratulations, that's yes. a great. <laughs> Thank you. It, it's it's definitely one of my favorites of yours. Is is epic. It's it's definitely a great book. So it deserves a it deserves a new edition thank, for sure. Thank you very much. And I was never going to think about it, but enough people came up to me, and then Brian said, "Would you please do it?" And I said, "Well, if you do all the work, and I take all the credit, then I'll do it." <laughs> And he said, that's yeah. fine. What else is yeah. new? Well, you know what that What else drill. is new? Welcome you to the club. Yeah, welcome to the well. club, Brian. <laughs> what, yeah, what, do you, do. what do you have going on this week? Uh, we're kicking off the year in a big way. We've got client work going on. We've got I've got a lot of content to create. Um, doing a lot of content creation. I've got a new show that I'm working on for a client. And also um, a lot of stuff I'm doing with uh, CMI, getting ready for content tech here in the spring. So... It's you know we're we're getting busy here again, so it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and of course I've got a lot of time left because there's no absolutely no football to watch, so I've I've bought some time back in my weekend. That's, that's exactly right. We're 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 much more productive now. So indeed, there you go. Well, we'll hope you guys get productive as well. We're going to sign off for this week, um, and remember, as Joe said, um, like once every blue moon it seems uh, if you want to dive into any of the other 306 episodes or see the greatness of this wonderful episode show notes get over to our website at this old marketing.site remember to hashtag us up on twitter we love that remember reviews we could use your review on apple Podcasts because we have to you know we have to go beat the other podcasts out there in terms of our rankings because we're you know egotistical that way um so hashtag us up on twitter if you will hashtag this old marketing and until we meet again next week remember it's your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing